This Blind Bargains cast is sponsored by Good Maps, maps with a mission. Visit them at goodmaps.com. Hey, how's it going? It's JJ. Welcome to the Blind Bargains cast, a special partner edition with Good Maps. Good Maps, as you may be familiar with, is a new free indoor and outdoor GPS and navigation app available now for free on iOS or Android. It's being updated all the time. And there's a lot going on, a lot of partnerships, a lot of opportunities, lots of more accurate navigation, especially in the indoor space with some new and cool technologies. I had the privilege of working with Mike May from Good Maps on an audio tutorial, which demonstrates a lot of the features of the app. So we're not going to play the entire tutorial for you here. You can go download that. We will play a couple segments of it just to kind of give you an idea of what that sounds like and what the app sounds like. But... Our primary focus today is to bring you an interview with Jose Gastabide, who is the CEO of Good Maps. We've talked to Jose before, but a lot has changed since the beginnings when it was called Access Explorer. So stay tuned for that. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'll just let you know that lots of conference, exhibit hall type coverage coming up over the next several episodes. So stay tuned for interviews on a lot of the latest in access technology and beyond. And of course, go to blindbargains.com for the latest posts on all of that as well. And follow us on Twitter at Blind Bargains, and you can email us feedback at blindbargains.com. Now, without further ado, here's our interview with Jose from Good Maps. Hope you're hungry. It's time for another barbecue bite. Blind Bargains cast coverage of all of the hottest new technology in 2021. We're thrilled to bring back Jose Gastambide from Good Maps, formerly Access Explorer, but a whole transition to a new app and a lot of exciting going on with indoor and outdoor navigation. Jose, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, JJ. So as I kind of alluded to, there's been a bit of a journey from the first time that we talked to you to now. So uh, why don't you take us through a bit of the history of uh, how you got to this point with Good Maps? Yeah, absolutely. So we were born out of the American Printing House for the Blind, which uh, most of your users probably recognize as the folks who own Nearby Explorer. And APH uh, created Good Maps to kind of inherit the work that APH was doing in accessible navigation. And so when we started this journey, we, we realized that there was a huge, huge bottleneck in accessible navigation that really centered around the availability of indoor maps. We've just barely begun the process of mapping the indoors. And so realizing that that was really the primary bottleneck, we focused on the process of more quickly creating indoor maps, but also how do we give people significantly better faith in the indoor positioning system, knowing that Bluetooth beacons are really a shoehorn technology to try to solve that problem. And so we are now, in addition to an accessible navigation company, an indoor digital mapping company focusing on faster and more accurate creation of those maps to enable accessible navigation. One of the things that really jumps out to me about that approach is you're not specially targeting this just for people who are blind and visually impaired. Your goal is to go beyond that and have accessible, but also good maps for anyone. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's a really important part of our philosophy. I mean, at our core, at our founding, in our hearts is accessible navigation. But we know that to get indoor maps to all of the venues that we need to be able to provide accessible navigation, we need to offer those venues something beyond accessible navigation and to create a product that has usability for the entire population uh, and in that way serve the accessible navigation mission. 
So the Good Maps app is out and available for free right now on both the iOS and Android app stores. And we're going to play some parts of a tutorial that myself and Mike May did recently, which is available now. We're going to play some parts of that in just a minute to introduce you to how that works. But why don't you tell us a little bit about the app before we get into that? Absolutely. So the map has both outdoor and indoor functionality. A lot of the outdoor functionality is pretty similar to the to the things that you would experience in other similar applications. For the indoor experience, uh, there, there's a number of ways that you can use it. And our indoor accuracy is good such that we can give you really detailed and really accurate turn-by-turn navigation. So you walk into a building, you tell you want to go to Steve's office, and we will literally take you turn-by-turn until you get to Steve's office. In addition to some of the features that nearby Explorer users will be used to, including the GeoBeam feature and, uh, and a few others as a way to really kind of explore the space in whatever way they see as appropriate. So as I mentioned, there's a tutorial. So let's play the intro and... Uh perhaps the first section about that, and we'll come right back. Good Maps. Hi, this is Mike May from Good Maps with your audio tutorial. Good Maps was originally called Access Explorer. It is a spinoff from the American Printing House for the Blind, which had Nearby Explorer. One of the fundamental concepts of Good Maps is sharing indoor maps with all. The venue owners are the ones who will be paying the bill because they will have their facility mapped not only for indoor navigation, but for other purposes if they wish. Since the venues are paying for the mapping, Good Maps will make those maps available for free to other providers of accessible navigation apps. Good Maps is available for free on both iOS and Android. Go into the app stores and look for Good Maps, one word, space, explore. Good Maps, explore. Keep in mind that the following functions we describe will change over time. Look at the section called Tips and Tricks for details not covered in the contextual tutorial, which is also available within the app. We will add bits and pieces that we learn from you and that we learn ourselves in that Tips and Tricks section. So look there for corrections and details as far as the app. We want it to continue to evolve, and we would love you to be part of it. So email us at info at goodmaps.com. I'm joined by J.J. Medob of Blind Bargains and AT Guys. Remember, it's better to travel, hopefully, than to arrive. Good Maps. I'm very excited to share with you all how intuitive and simple to use Good Maps is. Good Maps has taken some of the best features of some of your favorite GPS apps and combined them into a simple-to-use product. So I'm on the main Good Maps Explorer screen, which I've just opened the app. When you open the Good Maps app for the first time, it will have you agree to terms and conditions and safety information. So do be sure to read over all of that before you continue. And once you've agreed to that, you will be on this main screen. Facing southeast, 258 feet, 10 o'clock to Quality Automotive. So as you can hear, I'm outside. I'm in beautiful Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I'm on the main location screen. So let's look at the screen to see what we have. Search for an address or POI. Text field. So first we have a search box, which we'll come back to in just a second, where you can search for locations or points of interest. I'm going to swipe right. Facing southeast, near 513 Eleanor Street, 256 feet ahead to Northwest Nudge Avenue, 194 feet 10 o'clock to Quality Automotive. Button. So we are just given several pieces of information there. You first heard the cardinal direction that we were facing, so that could be east or southwest, followed by the nearest address that it was able to find, this case on Eleanor Street. The next thing you heard 
When I swiped right was the next upcoming street, in this case, Westnage Avenue, and the number of feet until that location. And finally, it gave me a button with the nearest point of interest. So let's go back to that button. 200 facing east, 207 feet straight ahead to St. Vincent de Paul, thrift store, button. And I'm gonna double tap on that. 207 feet straight ahead, just nearby, heading. And now we're on a new screen that says nearby. And now I can swipe right to find other points of interest that are nearby. Quality automotive about 193 feet, 10 o'clock, button. St. Vincent de Paul, thrift store, about 207 feet straight ahead, button. Let's select that, I like thrift stores. I'm gonna double tap on that. Destination St. St. Vincent de Paul, thrift store, heading. 513 Eleanor Street, 207 feet straight ahead. Options, head, directions via Google Maps external app, but directions via Apple Maps external app, but make getting warmer POI, button, make this my virtual location, button, add to favorites, button. So what you have heard there are several different options associated with this destination. First of all, it tells you how far away it is. Then it gives you options for getting directions, adding or removing it from your favorites, and also setting it as your virtual location. If you want to get out of the screen, just do the back scrub gesture or select the back button on the screen. We'll explain these other features later in the tutorial. So now you heard a little bit about how the app works, the main uh, location screen, that actually is a lot of it borrowed from uh, nearby kind of providing that dashboard view. There's a lot of other things that you can do as well. Favorites, search, getting warmer, a lot of different things that go into that with both the outdoor and the indoor. What was the, uh, the reasoning behind putting all of that into one app as opposed to having a separate uh, indoor app? Yeah, it's really primarily based on user feedback. The The more people we talked to, it became really clear that, that folks don't want seven or eight different apps that they have to shuffle between. You really want a single app that, that can do a lot of the things that you wanted to do, a Swiss Army knife, if you will. And so that's why we really focused on the seamless indoor-outdoor integration and, and having a single tool with similar functionality no, no matter where you are. Yeah, that's a big point, I think, because especially when it comes to this, especially indoor navigation, there's a few people in this space and, you know, it's you're almost going to get to a situation where, you know, you have to figure out which app has the data for the, the venue that you're going to. And that's a problem that you're trying to address, right? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, we're an organization that really takes a, a rising tide lifts all boats approach. And so at some point in this calendar year, we are going to be making uh, whatever data our venues deem as public available to any other navigation app for them to access via our API. You know, when, when we started this journey a couple of years ago, one of the realizations we had was there is no indoor mapping data. And I think it would be irresponsible and really contrary to our mission for us to generate that data and then not share it and not give people the option in terms of how they access that. So it's part of our, our ethos to, to make sure that we can share that with folks who, who want to use it for accessible navigation. So to expound on that, for outdoor mapping, there is a free service that many of our listeners know about called OpenStreetMap, which allows for outdoor data to be shared. It's kind of like a Wikipedia for mapping, if you will, right? So, mm -hmm. and it sounds like you want to do something similar with public data on an indoor space, correct? We want to do something similar, but I, I think the nuance here is that there's a really big difference in the safety and security approach for outdoor data than for indoor data. Uh, and one thing that, that's been really obvious to us from the get-go is that people don't really want the maps of their venues, their, their office buildings, 
kind of floating around for anybody to access, and they certainly don't want anybody to be able to edit it. And so where we're really sitting is kind of that in-between, that that space in the concentric circles between what's public and, and what's private. So, you know, I think folks will have the ability to add personal points of interest and the things that are particularly interesting to them without necessarily editing the underlying mapping data the way that you would be able to in an OSM, for example. Additionally, you know, when, when one of our venues asks us to come in and map, one of the very first things we do is apply a security layer on all of their mapping data, which is to say they get to determine what stuff is public and anybody can access that and what stuff is kind of managed behind a firewall and only shared with certain people that have been authenticated. And so if something is behind one of those firewalls, a user would not be able to access that information unless they were authenticated by the site. And, and that's just one of those things that we have to do in the safety and security world to make venues comfortable with being mapped. That makes a lot of sense because you have an employee who is blind that is working at a large office complex. They would need the access to that information, but obviously you wouldn't want to make that public. So having that uh, discernment is really very important. That's right. So... Like I said, lots of outdoor and uh, indoor information kind of becoming available in the app and a lot of features in the Good Maps app. Uh, let's just drop in another part of the uh, tutorial, uh, perhaps the getting warmer feature, which I think is one that can be very useful. So we'll have uh, Mike talk about that. Good Maps. Let's talk about getting warmer, also known as as the crow flies. The purpose of this is so that you can set a destination and have a reference point let's say finding your way home or finding your way to some particular location, and you don't necessarily need a route, you're just going to go out and walk around, or maybe you're in a vehicle and you just want to have, so to speak, uh, eyes on the destination, you can use getting warmer. This, of course, means that if you get to a point and you're at a building and it says your destination is 100 feet at 12 o'clock, that probably means you got to turn left or right and go around that building to get to the actual destination. That can be controlled in terms of how often it announces under the configuration location information menu. So you might want to hear it every 30 seconds, every 60 seconds, every two minutes. So you go about setting getting warmer in the same way that you would setting up a route. You're going to start out by doing a search on the item. Search. Text field. And I'll put in Starbucks. S. S. T. T. A. A. 10 results. R. R. B. 10 results. B. 10 results. U. U. C, 10 results, K, K, 10 results found, Starbucks, favored, Coughlin, Parkway, Reno, Nevada, 9519, favorite, so I'm going to tap on that. Starbucks, favored, Coughlin, Parkway, search results. Now I'm going to have some options. Starbucks, favored, Coughlin, Parkway, Reno, 0.2 miles behind. So it's the right Starbucks on Colin Parkway. Option, directions by Google Maps, external app, button. So I can calculate a route to it if I do want walking or driving directions with external apps. Directions by Apple Maps, make getting warmer POI, button. Make it a getting warmer POI, let's do that. Make getting warm. Starbucks added as getting warmer POI on location tab. So now it's going to repeat at whatever increment I've set and giving me the heading and distance to that location. Heading. I'm going to go back to the location screen. Lo location tab selected. Let's see what's on that screen. Location, heading, direction, facing northeast. Nearest address, 3631 Pinot Grigio Drive, upcoming cross street, 436 feet ahead to Pinot Marge, nearby POA, 71 feet right to home, getting warmer POA, Starbucks 998 feet, 5 o'clock, favored, button. Getting warmer POA, Starbucks 997 feet, 5 o'clock, favored, button. Facing northeast. So there's a path between me and that shopping mall, so I could actually walk straight over there uh, using this as a really nice technique. All right, so let's go turn off getting warmer. Upcoming cross street, getting warmer POA, 
Starbucks point two miles five o'clock favored. Getting warmer POA. Starbucks point point of interest. Heading. Now it brings up this option screen. Op directions by Google Map. Directions by Apple. Remove as getting warmer POI button. And right before it used to say make as getting warmer. Now it's saying remove. Remove as getting Starbucks removed as getting warmer POI on location tab. So it's as simple as that. And these are just a lot of different features are all built into the free app that are it's available now, like I said, on iOS and Android. Uh, when it comes to the maps, Jose, is the intent, a lot of buildings, a lot of locations say it's more public places like train station or shopping mall. They want to embed directions or mapping into their own applications as opposed to having uh, them go to outside to something else. Is that something you're considering allowing organizations to do embedded maps? Yeah, absolutely. We've got an entire SDK that our clients can use. So whether they want to provide access for somebody who's using Good Maps Explorer or one of our partner applications, or whether they want to embed it within their own, that's really up to them. We encourage them to do both. I don't think it's it's right to ask somebody who's gotten used to a single application to learn a totally brand new app, you know, for the for the handful of times that they're using a particular venue. So I think if they do both, they're kind of doing it the right way, and we encourage them to to do that. But it becomes a huge breakthrough because if you have an app and you're trying to embed that data, but yet you're also trying to pass accessibility checks, that can often be a barrier because until now, looking at the major mapping services, none of them, to my knowledge, are providing an accessible embedded mapping solution in an app. No, that that's exactly right. And I think for folks who don't live and breathe this every day, it's very easy to minimize the amount of work and the complexity involved in, in accessible navigation. And we have folks who in the past have said, no, you know what, we'll, we'll take your mapping data, we'll figure out the accessible navigation portion and then come back and said, actually, you know, we really should have stuck with the experts on that. <laughs> yeah, there is so much. And then even more for indoor, when you're coming into complex uh, spaces, what are some of the tools that you can use, say, to manage if you're in an indoor space, say like a shopping mall where there, or a place where there isn't as defined of a path, is you know, are you developing technologies or ways to kind of direct people in certain directions? Or you're gonna would you stick to say navigating them around the the perimeter and then they can figure it out from there? I mean, I, I guess there's a lot of trial and error there, right? Yeah. So the first thing that we do once we actually have a, a usable map that's been generated from our our scan is to define the areas from within that map that are walkable. And so when, when we are sending you from the entrance to the mall to the, to the Gap store, for the user, that feels like going from A to B. But what the software is doing in the background is connecting hundreds of little segments to take you to, from the shortest route from the entrance to the mall to that Gap. Yep. And so we would only take you through places that have been defined as walkable. And then we, we do you know some kind of a... Uh, function in the background to just make that be the, the shortest route possible. Which uh, indoor venues is this available in now, or what do you anticipate in the near future? Yeah, so we're in about 15 venues right now, primarily in the Midwest. But as COVID restrictions really start to reduce, and as people start to get ready for coming back, this question of how do we make our venues more accessible and more welcoming is, is top of mind for a lot of folks. Uh, and so we're really excited about what 2021 is is going to bring, and we're going to have some really exciting announcements in terms of aggressively increasing our our footprint. Very excited to hear that. That's, I mean, there's just so many large spaces that you know even a, a successful or very independent blind traveler can you know sometimes be daunting, or you don't have the time to learn. You know, you just want to go in a new place and and go to get to where you want to do. You don't want to do this extra exploration step. And if Good Maps can take care of that, that would be amazing. 
Oh, I mean, JJ, I'm sighted and I wish I had this technology. I mean, when, when we were in the hospital a little, little over a year ago for my son's birth, we were in there for five days and I got lost every single one of those days. I mean, th this is, we really believe in the curb cut effect and the fact that by developing something for folks who are blind and visually impaired, that we're going to unlock a lot of value for the, for the broader population. Uh, and we're, we're excited to prove that out. What's the model is that you're working on? I assume the businesses, would they pay us some sort of subscription and are they responsible for updating their own content or how does that all work? So yes and no. Uh, so to your first question, yes, we, we get paid for the initial mapping and then to maintain all of the services to enable that building. And to your second question, they are responsible for helping us to generate that data when we, when we first scan. So telling us what the room names are and whatnot. But the venues also designate folks who have access to our mapping platform and only they have the ability to go in and, and change data. We are working on some really cool stuff that would automatically update certain pieces of data. And you can think about it two different ways. Some of them are, are static data or static POIs. So you walk through the mall and today it's a Burger King, but tomorrow it's a McDonald's. Uh, we're generating ways to make that automatically update in the map and, and reduce that friction on the venue owner. The other part of it is dynamic POIs. So things that, uh, that, that might move or that might be there one day and then not the, not the other day. Our indoor positioning requires camera-based positioning. And so we're able to take in some of that data and say, Hey, you know what? That trash can that used to be over on the left yesterday is actually now over on the right and figuring out ways to give that feedback automatically to the traveler. So they know when an obstacle is coming up that is there in reality, but might not be there in the map. And we think that's the, the next generation of indoor navigation. Yeah, I guess the supreme challenge for anything dynamic would be mapping some sort of exhibit hall, whether it's the consumer electronics show or something smaller like a, a CSUN or a, a convention and, and getting that dynamic data updated. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, there's, again, there's, there's different kind of levels of dynamic data, right? The, the exhibit hall might change from one conference to the next, but it also might change from one minute to the next. And so how you strike that balance and how you make the user aware of what's changing around them, I think is, is really, really important. It's a, it's a really daunting task, but also a critical one. And I think it's the one that I am most excited about to take on as a company. Yeah, let's delve into the, you mentioned cameras and other ways to position indoor as opposed to using Bluetooth beacons and things that just weren't as effective. So just tell me a little more about that technology and what you're using. Yeah, absolutely. So on the positioning side, we're using something called camera-based positioning. And what that basically means is when we go through a venue for the first time conducting a scan and conducting the LIDAR that we're going to use to convert that into a map, we are simultaneously collecting hundreds of thousands and in some cases, millions of, of pictures. And because those pictures are collected during a mapping process, they're all geolocated. In other words, it is not just a picture, but it is a picture with an XYZ coordinate. Even indoors. Even indoors. Yep. And so when a, when a user is walking through a venue that is supported by good maps, uh, they will sometimes be asked to hold up their camera so that we can identify where they are. Basically what we're doing is comparing whatever their phone is looking at in that given moment with the images that we took during that original scan and able to identify their XYZ position based on that process. And we're able to get to 
something in the realm of about a quarter of a meter if the user is standing still and about one meter of accuracy when the user is in movement. And when you think about that versus things like Bluetooth, which best case scenario, absolutely best case, are getting something in the three to four meter range and more often getting in the five to seven meter range, or Wi-Fi fingerprinting, which is a five to 10 meter range, it's a really, really, really drastic difference in the, in the user experience and one that we hope will give the user significantly more trust than when we tell them they're standing in a location they are, in fact, in that location. From a venue perspective, what it means is that they're able to provide that service without needing to put anything on their walls and, and install any beacons or maintain any beacons, which is something that we hear all the time. Pe people don't like beacons. They're, they're kind of a pain to manage and to install. And so the fact that we are both able to solve a pain point for the venue and more importantly for the user, I think makes this really the, the most advanced positioning system available in accessible navigation. Do you think it makes the most sense as far as the camera-based uh, recognition to focus on indoors? Or what about venues that are actually outdoor-based, but you don't? the GPS positioning wouldn't be as accurate in that situation? Would you approach that as well? Or Yeah, and, and we can do that, right? The, the technology does work outdoors as well, but GPS is, uh, I think, a little bit more accepted than what some of the indoor positioning systems are. So we have actually talked to a few folks about doing the camera-based positioning in outdoor settings, but our focus is, is really on the indoor settings because that's the, the data desert. The, the, the positioning just doesn't exist indoors for the most part. Sure, or I'm thinking even two of you, I guess you also have the transition. So transit centers, you have sometimes a mix of indoor and outdoor. And yeah, no, you know, exactly. it's not, the GPS might tell you where the track is, but it won't necessarily get you from walking inside to the location outside where you need the board, for instance. And, you know, I think the other reason to be really excited about camera-based positioning is it's kind of future-proof. I mean, when, when you think about the technology that's coming over the next two or three years, be it from Apple or Facebook or Google, you know, these smart glasses all have cameras embedded in them. And so even though right now we're asking folks to find a way to display their camera, whether that's by holding it or putting it in a, in a lanyard, I think we're not terribly far away from a world where we kind of have a camera pretty close to eye level all the time. Uh, and so the fact that we're using that right now means that it's kind of a future-proof approach. And I think the burden on the user is going to get significantly smaller over the next couple of years. That's really exciting because, you know, trying a little bit with the Bluetooth or Wi-Fi fingerprinting, those, those methods, obviously it was better than nothing and it was cool to know what's around you. But, you know, it would experience small challenges, like it would put you on the wrong floor of an indoor complex, things like that. And those are all problems that the, the camera system would solve. Exactly. Well, let's do uh, one more clip before uh, we wrap up. There are a lot of settings and options that are available, so let's uh, let you hear about them. Good Maps. Good Maps. There's much more to explore with Good Maps, and much of that is found under the More tab. That's the fourth tab from the left on the bottom row, so I'm going to select that now. Look around tab. More tab. Unselected. And double tap. More tab. Selected. Configuration. Button. There's several different options under the More menu. Right now, we're going to focus on the Configuration menu, which lets you customize Good Maps. I'm going to double tap on Configuration. 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 Heading. There's a couple different screens here. Let's look at the main one. Location information. Button. Voice. Button. Those are sub-pages of the Configuration menu. We'll come back to them in a second. Units. Heading. Imperial. Feed and miles checkbox checked. Metric, meters and kilometers checkbox unchecked. The first option allows you to choose whether you'd like to use imperial units such as feet or miles, or metric units such as meters or kilometers. 
If you wanted to select one of them, you would just check the appropriate box. POI selection, heading. That is POI selection. Right now, as of this recording, we have two different choices. Four square checkbox unchecked. Double Apple Maps checkbox checked. Now you will notice I have checked Apple Maps. Foursquare is actually what is checked by default. You can only have one of these checked at a time. This is where Good Maps will get its data on the points of interest and other information that it displays. I have found Apple Maps to be more up-to-date with current information, but Foursquare has a wider variety of points of interest. So it's kind of a personal preference of whether you prefer to have more data or a focus on entirely current data. Audio notifications. Heading. Location information, look around, and indoor directions available as spoken notifications. So we have a couple options here. Foreground and background. Selected. Audio notifications will play when the app is open and when it is running in the background. That's pretty self-explanatory, but there are a couple other options. Foreground only. Unselected. Double tap to select. Audio notifications will play only when the app is open. Never. Unselected. Double tap to select. Audio notifications will not play. Location information will not play on shake. So I think the biggest thing to note here is whether you want audio playing whether the app is open or if you want audio to be able to play when other apps are open and Good Maps is running in the background. That's the end of the main screen, but as I noted earlier, there's a couple other screens that we can explore. Configuration. Heading. Location information. Button. Location information. Let's double tap that. Location information. Location information. Heading. Notification frequency. Heading. Direction. 30 seconds. Button. So as you have heard on some of the other screens, Good Maps will announce information that is relevant to your current situation every so often. By default, that's 30 seconds. Now you can change it for any of these as we will find out right here. Nearest address, 30 seconds. Button, nearby POI, 30 seconds. Button, getting warmer POI, 30 seconds. Button. Let's see what other options we have. Let's select the getting warmer POI. Getting warmer POI, notification frequency, heading. Getting warmer POI, heading. 10 seconds, 1 of 5, check, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 120 seconds, never, 5 of 5, checkbox, uncheck. So notice you do have an option here. If you never want that information to be spoken, you can do that. And you can have it spoken as often as every 10 seconds, which could be very useful in some situations, but quite obnoxious in others. I'm going to select the back button to go back to the previous screen. Back. Configuration. Location info. Voice. Button. The third tab on this screen is voice. Now this only applies when voiceover is turned off. So for many of our listeners, that won't be a factor. But if you wanna use this app and have the voice features, but you don't want to use voiceover, on that screen, you can choose the voice that is used and the speech rate. So uh, what else do you see for the horizon coming up in the next few years, big picture? Uh, where do you see indoor navigation in five years if we do this interview five years from now? Yeah, so, so my hope is that five years from now, the footprint of venues that we have mapped is just going to be incredible and that people are going to feel like the odds that they are entering a building that they can actually navigate independently using an application like ours has skyrocketed. And based on the conversations that we're having with employers and governments and transit agencies and, and retailers, you know, it's possible that that's a, a two or a three year conversation, not a five year conversation. This is the next frontier. I mean, it, it feels kind of strange to say, but the indoors are the largest remaining unmapped area in the world. And that's yeah. what we're, that's what we're tackling. It's, we've been talking about indoor for a long time, but I do feel like we're, we're there at this point. It's, we've finally made it to the point where this stuff's really going to uh, be happening all over the place. And uh, speaking of all over the place, I'm sure our listeners, many of them may either work for a venue, have 
the you know financial say over a place that you know might want to jump on board are you accepting uh businesses or are you accepting that type of referral at this point yeah 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 absolutely i mean obviously there there are uh, travel restrictions to deal with we have a number of venues yeah. where we're just you know waiting for our team to be able to hop on a plane so we can go map them but yeah absolutely folks can reach out to me at jose at goodmaps.com or info at goodmaps.com Awesome. And then the uh, website, of course, goodmaps.com. The app's available for iOS and Android. The tutorial, which you heard parts of, is available in full there as well. So definitely check that out. And also there's lots of help inside the app, and you can send in feedback uh, as well. So uh, thank you so much, Jose, for coming on and giving us an update. We really, really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, JJ. And I, I, I wanted to just say, please do send us feedback. Our, our team reads over everything that comes in, whether it's ideas or, 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 or things that you'd like to see work differently. That, that's really important. I don't want to build the app that I would use. I want to build the app that the majority of people would use. And so we really value users' feedback. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you, JJ. This has been another Blind Bargains audio podcast. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest deals, news, and exclusive content. This podcast may not be retransmitted, sold, or reproduced without the express written permission of AT Guys. Copyright 2021.